The Web 2.0 Show is part of the Podvine Network. This week's sponsor is Ratecart. Welcome to episode 27 of the Web 2.0 Show, The Death of Web 2.0. Hello, I'm Josh Owens. And I'm Chris Taylor. The Web 2.0 show profiles the hottest people and technologies from what we like to call the new web. This week we'll be interviewing Richard White from Kiko and Slim Timer. We'll also be discussing sites we've linked to in delicious and listeners' emails. Except we're not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of are. Hello, Richard. Hello. What part of the country do you live in? Uh, I'm actually temporarily living in uh, Missoula, Montana. <laughs> how do you wow. how do you temporarily live in Montana? <laughs> I temporarily live as in I have no plans to live here. Um, my uh, girlfriend's going to school up here, so we're just here for another two months. Uh, and okay. then, uh, heading off to the valley. We had this whole great show planned out for uh, episode twenty-seven. But it kind of tanked. We had some problems with the audio and whatnot, and uh, it, it just didn't turn out. So some of the stuff we talked about in that, um, we mentioned the future of the Web Apps Conference that's coming up in San Francisco, put on by Carson Workshops. Looks very cool. I think you, you put a little blurb up, didn't you, on the, on the website, Chris? Yes, I did. And then what else do we have? Let me just go ahead and, as if you guys can't read the website yourself, <laughs> we also have... Um, uh, Refresh 06 It's going to be in Orlando um, They have some speakers like uh, Paul Boag, Andy Budd, Brian Fling Jeremy Keith um, Nate Coakley and Cameron Mall Yeah, looks like a nice list Looks like uh, if you're, some of our previous episodes Even <laughs> Yeah, it's like a guest list um, I don't know if you guys Out there have done, have visited any of the, the refreshing, refreshing cities Refreshing <laughs> uh, Um they're actually a fantastic way to just to get in touch with uh, um, local people who are in, you know into the same same sort of things you are with design uh, development with 2.0 yeah web stuff that you're into not not just <laughs> stuff you're into <laughs> web stuff that could get a little weird <laughs> <laughs> especially down here in Miami <laughs> South Beach <laughs> so. Uh, I think that that was really all the the major stuff we talked about. Um, the rest of it was just kind of goofy stuff. Yeah. Rightcart is actually an easy way to create an online store. You actually embed the shopping cart into your own website or blog. Yeah. I actually got a chance to install this on, on my blog, and uh, I, I found it to be easy to set up. Um, I don't... At this point, I don't have much use for it because I'm not selling much on my blog, but I know that's something that uh, we'll be looking for in the future. They have an interesting feature um, where you can sell, you can do digital fulfillment, like let's say you have a PDF book. It'll handle selling that for you and the, you know, the delivery piece of that. Uh, so, you know, when Chris and I get our, our uh, PDF book done, you'll be able to buy it that way. Excellent. I guess we should probably start on that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. 
So if uh, if you're interested, go check out Rightcart at uh, www.rightcart.com slash podvine. They uh, create a special page for uh, anyone that listens to a podcast on the Podvine Network. So uh, we have a special guest with us. Richard uh, was part of the Kiko team, uh, which I, I guess is now defunct. Um, tell us a little bit about your, your, I guess, your past history here. Um, we'll get we'll get into Kiko and Slim Timer, but uh, tell us what you did before that. Um, before that, I was just kind of a, a cog coder, if you will. Uh, a lot of Java development on the East Coast. Got a chance to jump on with the Kiko team. I guess we'll probably talk more about that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, I mean, really, really not much of note actually. I graduated from uh, North Carolina State University, computer science, and I'm kind of transitioning to be to do more UI design. So uh, tell us a little bit about Slim Timer, uh, what it is, and how you came up with that idea. Um, Slim Timer is an online tracking, time tracking application. Um, it mainly is targeted for people like myself who are like independent freelance contractors, and you know you do a lot of context switching throughout the day, working on many projects, and uh, just a really slim, tiny application for keeping track of time. Um, came up with the idea actually working at a previous employer. We built something similar to it for uh, keeping track of our own internal time when a customer required us to bill in 15-minute 15 15 increments. So, uh, you know, it's good for people that are, you know, like me, sitting at the computer all day and, and uh, have to bill out every month and stuff like that. So, Richard, you started out as a developer. How did you make the switch to doing UI? Um, actually, it was... One part, I guess, personal passion, and another part kind of looking to the future, trying to decide how to market myself to employers. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of just back-end development and kind of an IT custom software shop doing Java, and I realized I really like doing UI stuff. And more than that, um, I noticed that, you know, there's not a whole lot of people out there that, that do UI, and a lot of people that do are just they're straight designers, and they're giving you your, your comps are just a Photoshop file. And it's, you know, there's kind of this gap between those two sets of uh, people, between the developers and between the designers. And I thought I'd probably have a good perspective to be able to come from the development side and kind of do uh, to the UI, kind of bridge that gap there. And uh, so far it's turned out pretty good. Um, I mean, based on the feedback I've gotten after the Kiko fiasco, if you will, or whatever, um, there's a lot of people out there that have a whole slew of developers, but no one that can do the UI. Yeah, we definitely seem to notice that's that's a thing that's lacking. We always seem to find, you know, we have a lot of designers that come to us, and they're like, hey, we don't know how to code something. You know, they'll ask us for help there. Or vice versa, people will be like, hey, I'm looking for a designer. How do I find one? Definitely seems to be a niche that needs filled. Right. A lot of people I go to, and when I kind of spec out a job, and I tell them, you know, they're like, so do you give us Photoshop? And I was like, you know, tell them I just give you XHTML and JavaScript and CSS and you put it in your back end. And that's a big selling point for me as well to be able to really interface with developers pretty, you know, pretty tightly. Yeah. And uh, you've done a fair bit of Rails development yourself, haven't you? I've been poking through your blog. Um, yeah, I mean, Kiko is where I kind of cut my teeth on Rails, although I wasn't, you know, the head developer Emmett Shear was. Um, it kind of allowed me to get my, my feet wet a little bit. Uh, I've done an open source project for Rails called uh, Ajax Scaffold, which, like it sounds, is just a an Ajaxified version of the kind of default scaffolding. Um, and Slim Timer's all Rails. And uh, 
I do a lot of other stuff with Rails just for customer projects. A lot of the stuff's UI, but I set up kind of a, a small uh, Rails application to do some of the back-end stuff. Cool. So uh, how did you get involved with the Kiko team? Um, it's kind of funny. I actually, uh, you know, I think like every developer after Gmail came out, everyone was just like, well, why isn't there a calendar equivalent of this? And everyone wanted to build a calendar, you know, Ajax-type calendar, and myself included. And I had a coworker kind of pass me along kind of the TechCrunch post about Kiko. And I checked it out. And I thought, you know, this is kind of cool. And But I realized that, you know, I played with it for a while and really realized it took you about 30 minutes to find all the functionality in it. So I sent them an email and I said, you know, I think you guys are on the right path. I think your UI is pretty terrible, though. And uh, I like doing UI. So, you know, how about I, you know, send you some sketches and whatnot and we'll go from there. And they were very receptive to the idea. I did some sketches and sent them to them, which, you know, Later on, they told me they never looked at. So that was one of the first things I learned. No one ever, you know, just like in uh, development, no one ever really looks at your design docs to a certain degree. No one looks at your sketches and you. Uh, um, no one ever looks at finally, your code either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Um, now, uh, I eventually put up some actual like prototypes, like HTML, CSS prototypes, and they're like, wow, this is pretty good. So, you know, we started working together. And it was originally going to be kind of a part time thing that I was going to do for free just for the experience. But, uh, you know, they. We I decided to start full time in December and uh, was flying up to Boston, you know, one once a month after that. Did pretty well. All right. So, well, I mean, there's been a lot of bad press. Um, I guess lately, you know, you know TechCrunch, you know, the selling of Kiko um, is heralding as a bad sign, like the bubble's going to burst. So, give us your thoughts on that. Well, no press is. There's no kind of bad press, is there? Right. I mean. Even all the press we got was actually pretty good. Helped drive a lot of traffic to Slim Timer, that's for sure. Um, (laughs) Or to the eBay sale. (laughs) Or to the eBay sale, um, despite eBay's attempting to sabotage us. Um, What do you mean, sabotage you? Well, they delisted us seven days into our 10-day listing of the the auction. Really? Yeah, because we had a link to Kiko, and in their terms of terms and conditions, you couldn't have a link to anything that was not like an, just an information-only website. So they delisted us seven days in with no warning. So how did that work? I mean, did you... We put up a three-day auction right after that to kind of somewhat end at the same time and just... It wasn't as big of a deal. I mean, it, it kind of was a downer because, you know, everyone in the blogosphere linked to that eBay um, auction. And then and it was coming it was taken up dead. down. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't even relink to anything else. Luckily, by that point, really, I mean, no one was kind of jumping in randomly and bidding, right? right? They were all pretty much emailing us first. So we could just email them back out and say, look, here's the new, explain what happened, and here's the new auction. Right. And obviously, you know, you could t- it didn't turn out too badly. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, back to your question about the bubble bursting, I mean, from my perspective, I mean, we were a non VC funded company. Uh, we just had angel funding, and you know, uh, I think most of, you know, from my impression of going to startup school and talking to all these different people, you know, majority of these Web 2.0 companies don't take VC funding, and I think a lot of people point out have a very low burn rate. I mean, that's, I mean, ours was ridiculously low for a three-person operation. Um, so I don't know there'll be a bubble bursting. I don't think, you know, no one's running out of money, right? I think you'll see a lot of more stuff like you've seen with us and like SCOBY recently, right? Things will kind of slowly kind of die away, you know, and 
I think a lot of them you'll start. I think we probably are the first of a, a whole slew of ones will die away, but I think it'll kind of be a, an ecosystem where some die off and some show up. Um, well, I think the whole bubble thing is complete crap anyway, because um, the last time it was a bubble because it was a stock market bubble. Um, this time around, it's just development is so cheap and easy that, like anything else, um, well, like, like a brick-and-mortar business, um, it's pretty actually cheap to, to rent an, an office a place in a strip mall and put up a small business. And, but most of those die as well. I mean, there's no difference between the online world and the brick-and-mortar world. You know, it's, what is it, 80%, 90% of businesses die off? Just from lack of a business plan or lack of execution, right? Yeah, it's. I, mean, it, I would, I would completely agree with that. That's kind of exactly where I was. I mean, there are no big people with ex- no shareholders expecting big returns here. There's no one you really have to be accountable to other than yourselves and your users and maybe some angels. But you know, there are. I mean, you're right. I mean, the the cost of starting is so low. The barrier to entries are so low, and I mean, it's just everyone's getting into it. You know. Every, Everyone leaving college is starting a company, and every small custom software shop is throwing their hat in the ring trying to be the next 37 Signals, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. I say pundit, I say pundits be damned. <laughs> Bring it on. You know, you know, keep, keep, starting your, uh, keep starting your businesses and just uh, listen, people. You know, start thinking about monetizing it from the beginning. You know, think about a pro, you know, premium plan. Right. I agree. Right. So there's, there's been a lot of press, I don't know, I hate to say press, a lot of blog posting going back and forth about Kiko and, you know, what went wrong. I mean, everybody and their brother feels they need to to kick in and say what happened or what went wrong. But one of the interesting ones was, you know, Paul Graham saying it, it was just unfortunate that Google decided to move into the space. And I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. I mean, obviously, Google moving into a space didn't kill off YouTube before it launched. And, and now we see where YouTube is. So where do you think Kiko went wrong? Jeez. I mean, I had my blog post where I thought of a lot of stuff, and that was kind of somewhat a rushed post because I don't think any of us saw this coming. It's like this huge story that it turned out to be. Um, but obviously it was, it was a catalyst for a discussion that people have been wanting to have for a while, I guess. But as far as Kiko specifically, which I don't even really think was really the topic of most of those posts. It was more of, you know, what's wrong with the Web 2.0 model. But as far as what went wrong with us specifically, I mean, I think Justin Kahn, the CEO of Kiko, and myself both pointed out to lack of focus probably being the number one thing we had a problem with, um, both in terms of, you know, our, our development and personal focus and also in terms of, like, what kind of users we wanted to attract and where we were really going to go in the market. Um, you know, we... I, you know, looking back, it's kind of none of us used a calendar regularly, right? So it's kind of hard for us to empathize with the users or really kind of, you know, we're not scratching our own itch, and that's kind of a problem. Um, so, I mean, a lot of things kind of went wrong. I mean, we, we made a lot of, a lot of mistakes. Um, but if you had to point to one specifically, I would say just kind of lack of focus. How, if you could go back and do it again, how would you, how would you keep that focus? How would you change that? Um, if I had to go back and do it again, I'm not necessarily sure I would do an online calendar, first of all. Um, I thought it was a very interesting application because it's a very data-dense application and, you know, a lot of people are doing it. But um, if I had to go back and do a calendar again, I would say certainly to pick a vertical. Um, I talked with someone the other day, actually, who was interested in hiring me for contract work, and he has a, an online application suite, and part of it's a calendar. Um but for a very specific vertical market, I think it was like architectural companies or something, and he makes a lot of money doing that. 
And so I think if I was going to go back and do it, I would have picked a specific vertical and say, okay, what feature sets these, what features do these people need, and go after that rather than kind of swinging for the fences and trying to say, what's be the online calendar for the masses? Um, because I don't think that that really exists. Um, calendar is actually more of a niche thing than I think most people make it out to be. What was this um, sidetrack that I see you and um, some other people posting about? The extent you guys got sidetracked. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's kind of our dirty little secret. Uh, we don't really like to say what we got sidetracked by, but actually we got really sidetracked by writing weekend projects, right? You know, let's build this in a weekend and see what that is, right? Rather than sticking with the core the core competency and staying with the calendar. Um, you know, spending a couple of weeks working on to something, an application wholly separate from Kiko. Um, why do we do that? I'm not sure. Maybe that goes back to the whole kind of, you know, you're in that kind of creative mindset and it's just too easy to, without someone there with an iron fist, to go off and do something random for a while, like chase chase too many other things. Um, but, yeah, that's mainly what that was. So what do you what do you think the key thing is to learn from Kiko selling the way it did? I mean, what do you think is the, the key concept people should really learn from that? Um, don't build an online calendar. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, you know, I, my personal take, and I've kind of incorporated this into some, some timers really, and this might sound kind of uh, depressing, but don't swing for the fences. Really pick a vertical and attack it. Um, so shoot you know, for the long tail, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, find, a, or find a niche market, you know. Um, I, th- I think a lot of people have been saying that recently, and I, that's kind of, I would definitely agree with that. You know, the thing that bothers me most about the whole thing is in Paul Graham's post, he says um, one of the mistakes was getting in Google's way. And Paul Graham's one of my, he's, he's one of my heroes, and but I have to call him <laughs> because I just don't think that large, even, even places like Google, I just don't think large companies can can attach exactly what we're talking about, you know, a piece of the long tail. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, part of the problem we had, obviously, with Google Counters, we were both playing the same kind of swing for the fences game, right? We're both trying to be all things to all people. Um, had we had a vertical or you know, somewhat what 30 Boxes is doing, right? They're somewhat going after a vertical, which is the social ne- networking aspect of a calendar. Um, we might have done better, but, yeah, I don't, I mean... I don't think you can – I certainly wouldn't want to get in, way, in front of Google, but I wouldn't say that that's, you know, uh, end game right there either. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's a showstopper. Like I mentioned before, I mean, Google videos came out. You, you still see the launch of YouTube and the launch of, I don't know, 30 million other video <laughs> websites. <laughs> would, would you categorize Kiko as a failure or a learning experience? Uh, I'd probably put it as both. Yeah. I mean, it really is a failure. I mean, we didn't achieve our goals. We didn't grow the user base like we should. We didn't, you know, the application wasn't, you know, just didn't retain users like it should. But ultimately, you know, there was a profit turn there, and uh, you guys learned from your mistakes, right? Right. I mean, we certainly, I certainly learned a lot during this. Um, uh, you know, you learn a lot from your failures. And, uh, I mean, I picked up a lot of technical experience, but more so I picked up a lot of good connections um, and I was really able to, you know, on a personal level, market myself to a lot larger, larger, uh, larger audience because of what went on with Kiko. Right. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sure I c- 
could see you at a party and, you know, you'd say, oh, I worked on the Kiko project. And people would be like, oh, Kiko, right. <laughs> we know that one. So. I feel like they'd have to buy me a drink out of pity. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have, uh, did you have plans from the outset on how to monetize Slim Timer? Yes, I have, you know, from the very get-go, I've kind of had plans to monetize Slim Timer only when the... Uh, I guess the user adoption got to a point, you know, I have enough users to really make, for it to make sense. Um, you know, for me, I'm trying to keep this thing as lean and mean as possible, you know, as long as possible. So, you know, until I get, you know, what's the rule, the 1% rule now, 1% of your, your users will uh, probably pay for your, your premium version until I get to a point where it really makes sense for me in the best couple weeks of time to do all the, the technical and legal stuff to set up, you know, taking credit card payments. Um, I'm not going to do it, but once that happens, I am going to do kind of the, the 37 signals model of, you know, have your free version and have your, you know, your premium version with some extra features, probably in this case integration with other applications like Basecamp and um, possibly other like bug tracking and project management tools and stuff like that. Right. And how do you do, uh, differ from something like, I think it's TickSpot, they have a, a timer application? Right. Um, the way sometimes like I guess differentiate itself from pre- most of the the big time tracking applications is most of the other ones are timesheet related. It's kind of rebuilding or you know redoing the timesheet on online as opposed to Slimtimer, which is actually more it, it's more interactive. It's basically is like a stopwatch that you just kind of click between what tasks you're working on. Um, you know, some people they do better with you know just entering things in a normal timesheet, but a lot of people you know very busy context switching day. Um, it's a lot easier just to have something that's always timing what you're doing. Um, and it's also worked really well for a lot of other people that are doing self-help stuff, not just billable work. Um, just, you know, you know, it really kind of having a clock there running really kind of keeps you on task more so than having to go back later and fill something in. Yeah. Now you, uh, you recently made an announcement on your blog. You mentioned earlier about Ajax scaffolding. Um, you guys are, are you going to start working with the streamlined guys, right? Yeah. Tell us yeah. a little bit, I guess, about the streamlined guys and, and how you guys hope to integrate that. Um, if you if you do a lot of Rails work, you've probably seen the stuff that Streamline's doing. They're basically trying to do um, a kind of a admin, uh, an easy-to-set-up admin interface for your application. Um, if you're familiar with the Django, it's very similar probably to what the Django lets you do with admin interfaces, where you can just kind of say, I've got these set of objects, I need a simple interface for them, give kind of the relationships and some some brief parameters about how you want that interface to work, and it'll kind of, uh, you know, you'll have that interface for you. Um, it's really trying to get people out of the business of writing a lot of just crud back-end interfaces. Um, where I come in is that the, the Ajax scaffold kind of scales up to the point where Streamline starts, um, starts to scale. Um, so I'm kind of somewhat end-of-lifing Ajax scaffold, um, mainly just saying, you know, I'm not going to put any more features in it because I don't think, you know, I think Streamline handles this stuff a lot more elegantly once you get up to a whole lot of feature sets. And I'm going to be working with uh, Justin Getlin on, and the rest of the Streamline team on doing a new uh, user interface or a drop-in, I guess, front-end for Streamline, which is will be loosely based on the Ajax scaffold work. Um, I think, which kind of plays to both of our um, strengths. I'm doing the UI, and those guys are doing the back end. They've done a real great job on kind of coming up with the a really you know, declarative way of saying what that interface should look like, and hopefully I'll be able to, to mold something that kind of uh, 
is its equal on the front end. All right. So, uh, was there anything else you you wanted to talk about, Richard? Um, anything we might have missed? My notes. I think. I think that was basically it. Um, I, I was going to kind of offer up, you know, to kill. I mean, you guys are killing your name on the show, right? Isn't this the? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This is the death of the web 2.0. So we're going to make it the death of the Web 2.0 show. I mean, if, if everyone's saying the bubble's going to burst, what the heck? Our, our podcast name's going to burst, so <laughs> we... I, uh, I might just want to... Oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll throw in a hook maybe where I can kind of come to your company, and, if you're Web 2.0, and kill it for you, you know, since... Oh, awesome. Second, second one in two weeks or so that I'll been in, involved with. I, mean, <laughs> I think I've got some mojo on that department. Heck yeah. You know, it could even be like a whole eBay thing. There, there, there was this kid that put up an auction where you come beat people up you could put an auction <laughs> up I'll, I'll come kill your web 2.0 company <laughs> or your competitors web 2.0 company. oh there we go <laughs> <laughs> alright so you're officially hired onto the show and that's the end of it <laughs> yep that's it it's over it's done we're changing the name we're going to have a contest we're, uh, we're going to give away an iPod Nano for sure to uh, the person that comes up with the best name uh, we're taking submissions, web20show at gmail.com. Send us your names. Uh, we'll probably give it a week, and uh, then we'll post up the best ones, and we'll let the listeners vote. We'll, we'll see who it is. Uh, we're also going to have a runner-up package for uh, a free hosting package, so we'll, uh, we'll post all the details when the show gets posted. How can you have a runner-up when only one person gets the, <laughs> the show? Uh, How does that work? <laughs> well, since the listeners are voting, it would be the number two oh, okay. voted oh. name. Oh, okay, that sounds fair. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, uh, did you consult me on the on the on the iPod Nano? Because do we have the budget for that? Uh, <laughs> I'm the budget guy. You're not the budget guy. <laughs> I have I, to stop drinking. I say we have the budget. <laughs> Okay then. Well, you know, we we still have this nano sitting around from the Rails Day contest too. So, dude, when are they going to judge that? I have no idea. They still haven't really. <laughs> Jeffrey, <laughs> um, I think he's working on it. So, I don't. There were a lot of submissions to go through. I mean, you got to cut those guys some slack, I guess. That's true. The nano is going to be end of life before we give that away. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. <laughs> So I, I guess that's that's our big news, and also uh, for any sports racer fans, we uh, we have an interesting episode coming up. If you couldn't guess who it is just from that comment, then we're not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, speaking of a said person, uh, he asked for a wiki entry and got one. So we're going to ask for a wiki entry, and we want to see you guys put in a wiki entry for the Web Two O show, especially since it's dying now. So we want to bookmark it in history yeah feel free to put all the episode lists in there get all the links uh, you know find find my need- home address see if you can do it I'm, I'm sure it's easy <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that'd be totally easy yeah I found that on a website today I think it was called like aboutus.org or something scam website I don't know horrible <laughs> my address was like right on there I'm like that's great <laughs> you killed web 2.0 <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna kill you <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, Richard. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. Next time you have to share your beer with me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. Pure scotch. Nothing but hard liquor on the show. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. All right, All right, Catch you later.
This has been a Steel Pixel production. For more information about Steel Pixel, please visit www.steelpixel.com, where you will find information about our freelance web design and web development, or hosting.steelpixel.com for all the information about our hosting products. As always, please check out www.web2oshow for more information about the podcast or the latest news and blog posts. <laughs> oh wait, that's kind of like Web 2.0, isn't it? <laughs> what is? Old and dead. That is old. Taboo and current society. <laughs>